0: Our second lesson today comes from the gospel according to Matthew. I'm reading from chapter 5, just the first uh, three verses. Listen. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then Jesus began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So which is more important, words or deeds? Here's a way to think about it. If I tell my wife Ginger that I love her every day and really never actually show her with actions that embody that love, she's not going to believe me. Don't worry, I haven't really tried that. So that seems to imply that actions or deeds may be The most important. Here's what else I've learned in 34 years of marriage deeds alone don't do it. We have to, as we teach our children, use our words. We have to use our words. Words matter a great, great deal. We have to speak it as well as show it. Words give depth and breadth to our actions. This question of words versus deeds comes to the forefront for me lately as I watch sports, particularly as I watch the uh, fast-paced and much-beloved college basketball season come to an end recently. Invariably, the best basketball games come down to the last few seconds. And during the last few seconds, as you might guess, it matters very much what you do with the basketball but have you noticed how much you have to talk about what you do in the last few seconds of a game? They have so many timeouts in those last few seconds that it seems like it goes and equals the whole half that they've been playing. Talking relates to doing. And they're demonstrating that. Words and deeds both matter. You've got to have both. This is what Jesus knew. In fact, that's why in one way Jesus tells us to go to the baptismal font and baptize because words don't always convey it. Actions convey it. God's love poured out on us running down our face filling us with life and purpose. Jesus knew this very well. Words and deeds matter. In fact, he came on the scene doing lots of things. He came on the scene and began healing and helping people and acting in a way that was bringing about the reign of God. But he makes sure his actions are filled out with words. He stops and he teaches. He keeps giving words to all of his actions. As one commentator puts it, Jesus wanted to practice preventive medicine, not just curative medicine. Jesus wanted to be about public health, not just surgery. He uses words to give breadth and depth to his actions, to increase our understanding, to motivate our involvement. So when we get to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus actually called the time out. He paused with all of his deeds. In order to share some words, it actually says he he sat down. He sat down in order to teach them. And what follows, what flows, is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Words that explain in lots of detail what it means to follow Jesus. Words that want to help us live as disciples in this new realm of God's emerging reign. The Sermon on the Mount begins with what's called the Beatitudes, eight poetic pieces of talk that intend to summarize essentially all of the Christian teaching. Not all the letters of the law, but the spirit of what Jesus is bringing. In the coming weeks, we're going to be visiting these poetic words of Jesus, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes all begin with the word blessed or blessed. Blessed are those who are like this. Jesus says, or blessed are those who are like that, Jesus says. That word blessed is obviously related to happiness, to wholeness, to joy, to depth in living. Blessedness means contentment. Blessedness is brought about by God. God is the one who brings it. God is the one who opens the way to it. God is the one who creates it. This is what Jesus is talking about. So we even get a glimpse of blessedness from our first lesson today from Genesis. God calls Abraham in chapter 12 and tells Abraham to leave his familiar country and God will make for him a great nation and God says, I will bless you. And I will make you a blessing to the world. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. That's what it says. So this blessing is A promise of God's presence and care. This blessing is uh, so that Abraham can live in a certain way that really brings God's presence and care to the world. At the root of this blessing is a sense of wholeness and joy and purpose and fullness. God brings it upon Abraham and God intends Abraham to go and be an agent for this blessing. The Beatitudes, spoken by Jesus in chapter 5 of Matthew, build on this emphasis with the same word. Various translations of these verses convey the intent. Some translations say, happier those who are poor in spirit, our verse today. Or the message translation from Eugene Peterson, which many of you uh, are familiar. You are blessed, is how it's translated, when you do this or do that. You are blessed. The point here is very important. Jesus has been doing many things, acting out many things, helping, healing, going, but now he sits down and he explains what he's about in the coming of God's reign. Jesus seeks to articulate exactly what God cares most about. Jesus wants to give people information using words so that they'll understand what he's doing. Deeds are better understood with words. Words give depth to deeds. God's not just interested in healing. God is interested in the coming of God's reign. God is not just casting out demons. God is creating a new creation, a new realm where the old structures don't work anymore, where the new takes shape. And the point is, if we can understand it, If we can take, then we can take part in it. If we can understand it, we'll participate in it. We'll be motivated to be agents. In fact, we'll be a blessing also to the world as God brings blessing. That's the intent. So the first of these Beatitudes, uh, eight of them, say this: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What this means is that the kingdom of heaven exists and is made up of those who are poor in spirit. That's what God cares about. That's where God is really present, with the poor in spirit. So who then are, and what does it mean, poor in spirit? If you're familiar with Jesus' beatitudes, you might recall that in the Gospel of Luke, which also lists these Beatitudes, Luke's version has Jesus saying, Blessed are the poor, not poor in spirit. Clearly, it's about social and physical condition, the poor. Luke's gospel is especially interested in the poor. Perhaps Luke wanted to be very clear and take away any doubt. Jesus cares about the poor. Matthew speaks about poor in spirit. Which could mean more a right attitude or a disposition unrelated to a social or a physical condition. So how do we really faithfully understand this poor in spirit? The Greek word here is potokos, And it's really an ugly word. It means those crushed in poverty. That's an ugly word. They're so crushed that their spirit is crushed. It means desperate. It implies poverty. A poverty, a place, a a place so deep that the person has nowhere to turn except to God. That's who's blessed. That's perhaps why the message puts this verse in this way. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God And more of God's rule. So like other words that Jesus gives, this is a description uh, about our heart. A a, a description about our state of our living, about our lives. When we are at the end of our rope, there is God. When our well-planned and well-laid-out lives with all of our best intentions get crumpled up and thrown off. That's when God is most present, most real. That's the message. Well, that to me sounds like good news and bad news. I mean, it sounds like bad news because we spend most of our lives trying not to get to the end of our ropes, right? We strive not to get to the point of Potokos crushed desperate none of us seek that place who would that's where god meets us we don't want to go there that's where god is most present that's where we receive the kingdom that doesn't sound like good news on the other hand woo that is good news because when we are there that's where god is god is in our midst when life is feeling Most desperate. God is present when we are most crushed at the end of our rope. God emerges when we finally realize that we're not in charge and we can't control everything and we can't dictate our plans or our lives or even anything. The end of our rope. That's where God is. That's good news. That's great news, actually. Thanks be to God. So we're getting a big hint here with this very first beatitude. Jesus kicks off this list about the new reign of God. It's turning things upside down. Ooh, that makes us nervous. We're not sure we like it. Jesus is turning things upside down. The world keeps saying we're blessed when we climb the corporate ladder. The world keeps saying we're blessed when we climb the educational ladder. The world keeps saying we're blessed when we climb maybe the church ladder. The world keeps saying we're blessed when we get ourselves together. No. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says you're blessed when you are most desperate. In some crushed state of isolation when you're at the end of your rope. It's a picture of what God cares most about when God meets us. Never are we beyond God's grace. That's the gospel. In fact, when we're trapped in ourselves and assuming that we can do it all on our own, which is how we often are, when we're full and confident and focused, we may be furthest from the kingdom. Hmm. Actually, Jesus is reminding us that God is with us, for us, next to us, on our side, when we recognize that we are helpless without God's help, that we're really in need of God always. Jesus is asserting that God blesses those who try, to, who, who try not to bless themselves, not those people, but God blesses those who know fully. God blesses those who know finally that their strength and their help come from God who made heaven and earth. There's a story about a university student who was experiencing quite a dramatic and unexpected sense of this. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It happened as this young college student agreed to work as a, in a summer program an in inner city ministry in Philadelphia with Tony Campolo. It was mid-June and about 100 college students gathered at a Baptist church in the city. They met for singing, they met for a a message by Tony Campolo, a great preacher. The room was filled with excitement for this ministry in the city, young people eager to share God's love with the down and out, eager to serve. At the end of the service, Campolo asked these young people, okay folks, you ready to go? It's time to go. Let's go. They said, yes, we're ready. They went out the church door, they got on a bus, and they drove into the deep parts of Philadelphia downtown. As the bus moved into the depths of the city, the neighborhoods got worse. The scenery became ugly. Their enthusiasm began to wane. The kids were looking out the bus windows. They were feeling increasingly out of place. Their anxiety grew just looking at these housing projects. Finally, the bus stopped. Campolo said, here we are, folks. Get out. Let's bring some light to this place. Go to it. Meet back here at 5 o'clock. Hesitantly, they got off the bus. They stood there on the corner. They had a little circle of a prayer. Then they spread out. One young man said he walked down the sidewalk and he stopped in front of a huge tenement house. He took a deep breath. He asked for God's spirit to help him and he went inside. Inside, there was a terrible odor. Inside he noticed that the windows had been knocked out. There were no lights in the hallways. He walked up one flight of steps and he knocked on a door where he heard a baby crying. Who is it? Said a voice from the inside. Then the door was cracked open and the woman holding a naked baby peered out. What do you want? She asked in a harsh tone. The guy mumbled that he was in college, he was with this group, and he wanted to tell tell her about Jesus. With that, the woman swung open the door and began cussing him. She cursed me, he says, all the way down the hall, all the way down the steps, all the way out on the sidewalk. I felt terrible. Look at me, some Christian I am. How in the world could someone like me tell her anything about Jesus? He says, and I quote, I sat down on the curb and I cried. Then I looked up and I noticed a store on the corner. The windows of this store were all boarded up. Bars were over the door, but the store was open. I went into the store. I looked around. Then I remembered that the baby had no diapers and the woman was smoking a cigarette. I bought a box of diapers and a carton of cigarettes. Then I walked back to that housing building. I asked God to help me and I walked up the steps again and I knocked on the same door. Who is it? The loud voice inside said when she opened the door, I simply slid the box of diapers and the carton of cigarettes through the door. She looked at me. I looked at her. She said, come in. The young man says this I sat down on the old sofa I began to play with the baby I opened the diaper box and I put a diaper on the baby even though I'd never done that before when the woman offered me a cigarette I took it and smoked it even though I didn't smoke I stayed there all afternoon talking, playing with the baby listening to the woman finally around 4 o'clock the woman said let me ask you something. What's a nice kid like you doing in a place like this? I told her everything I knew about Jesus. It took me about five minutes. <laughs> and then she said, pray with me and pray with my baby that we can get out of here alive. And I prayed. That evening, the group got back on the bus. Tony Campolo asked if anyone had had experience of telling others about Jesus. This guy spoke up right away. I not only told him about Jesus, I met Jesus. I went to save someone and I ended up getting saved myself, is what he said. I discovered the love of God and what it means to trust God and serve God. Is it words or is it action? Jesus says, Blessed are those... Who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses those. Who are beaten down. And hopeless. The kingdom belongs to them. God blesses those. Who are at the end of their rope. Who cannot. And do not rely on their own strength. Their own plans. Their own purposes. But who rely on God. Both the woman. And the college student. In that story moved. From having no room for God to having an encounter with God for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses those who know that everything comes from God and all things are for God. God blesses those who really seek to trust and to serve God always. All glory and honor, thanks and praise be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Fill our hearts with your presence and your spirit, O God. Increase our love. Deepen our faith. Give us light and give us life following Jesus Christ. Amen.